0: It was about two weeks ago when I was at home and I was making the tea and setting the table at the same time, and two two of my children, my boys, were sat at the table, and uh, one of my children went, oh, our small mum, and I was like, to which the other child chirped in and went, yeah, little mum, like that at me. In that moment, I was a little bit, I didn't know how to take it. I was like, okay. I think my children have got to that point where they've started to realise that they have a small mum, that I'm smaller than a lot of other people. And I looked at them and I just went, boys, have you got a problem with my height? Like, have you got a problem that you've got a small mum? Like, is that an issue for you? And they were like, no, 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 it's fine, it's okay. So I was like, okay. And I kind of went on happy again with my heights. Happy. This is the height God has given me. There was another time when I became very aware of my height and someone pointed it out. A bit more subtle this time. I was... Um, going, with my second child when I was pregnant I was going having my midwife checks and all of that and it was one of the checks where they measure your weight and the height just to make sure that along the journey of pregnancy everything is okay so I was there and they're like yeah we just need to do your height test, so I was like yeah that's fine, stood against like the wall or wherever it was and they were like measuring me, then she turns to me with like a voice that seems like there's something wrong with me and she goes you're five foot three, is that okay? laughter I look at her, a little bit confused. And like my reaction was, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Like, and she was like, oh, well, if that's okay then. And I was like, yes, that's okay, I'm five foot three. Aaron even now tells me that he thinks she was being generous and I'm not quite five foot three. <laughs> Have you ever had those moments where... There's times where, like, whether it's a characteristic or a mannerism or something, like, becomes very clear to you about yourself. There was another time for me around my height again was me and Erin and our two boys were on holiday and uh, somebody had actually gifted us a holiday at the Lake District. This was quite a few years back. Our children were very small and it was very nice. We were on this, uh, uh, the apartment bit was overlooking a lake and it had all these, the hills of the Lake District around. And in that moment one day, I was on the balcony just praying to God, praying about my life, praying about some things that were going on and things like that. And as I stood there and I looked around at the hills, I just felt incredibly small. I looked at these hills, which even the hills in Lake District aren't big compared to the mountains and stuff that's in the world. And I was in that point and I just felt incredibly small. I looked at creation around me and I thought, my God has created all of this. How big must he be and how small am I? And yet my God would choose to use me, would choose to use me in his greater plan that he has. In that moment, you know, sometimes it can be very easy, can't it, for us to make ourselves the centre of the universe and we've sang this morning about how Jesus is the centre of it all that the universe revolves around him but how often in our humanness do we make ourselves the centre of the universe and in that moment I was reminded that my God holds the universe in his hands and how actually he is bigger, way bigger than me. He sees way more than me and I can trust in him. I can trust in him and his plan. At the minute, we've been looking at David and we've been looking at how David is a man after God's own heart. And so we come to the next part of the story today. We come to 2 Samuel 7. And I've asked our wonderful Julia to come and read a part of this. Julia is incredible. What she is doing is amazing. We're doing Missy at Bible College and working here on placement. So let's keep cheering Julia on. But Julia is going to read the scripture for us.
1: After the king is it yep. After the King was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all the enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of Cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, now then tell my servant david this is what the lord almighty says i took you from the pasture from tending the flock and appointed you ruler over my people israel i have been with you wherever you have gone and i have cut off all your enemies from before you now i will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth and i'll provide a place for my people israel and will plant them so they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed them leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from, your, from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and your rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands, but my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reports to David all the words of this entire revelation.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Julia. And after that, David praise this wonderful prayer to God, just thanking God for speaking to him and giving him a great promise. What we hear at this point in the story is that David wanted to build a permanent house for the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant, the Israelites, represented God's presence and David's heart was always for the presence of the Lord. As David looked around him one day, he thought hold on a minute, here I am living in the house of Cedar while the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is under a tent. So David in his heart had desired to build a temple for God, a home for the Ark of the Covenant, a place for the worship of his Lord. But God says no. God says no to David. What David wanted to do seemed really good. It seemed like a good thing, but God said No. And even in that point, David comes with this wonderful prayer of thankfulness to God, that God would give him these great promises. God didn't just say no, he gave him some promises to hold on to. And in that moment, David comes, and if you go home and read it, David comes and has this prayer just thanking God. And there was a few things from this story that I felt that God wanted to challenge us as a church with. They're things that can seem quite simple, but I know in my life they don't feel very easy. And it is to be humble, to obey God and keep trusting. I'll say that again, be humble, obey God and keep trusting. In this story here, we see that David had a humble heart. He didn't come to the point where he spit his dummy out and he said, well, I want to do it. I want to build this temple. It would make me look really good if I built this temple. David didn't do that. He didn't moan and groan. He didn't go and do it anyway. He came, he listened, he accepted God's word and he praised God. For me, it speaks of great humility in David, great humility that he would come before God and say, God, your will be done. He understood that it wasn't about building his name. It was about building God's name. It was about the glory of God. It is never about building our name. It is always about building God's name about his glory. And I always get this great sense of David that there was that great reverence for God. That great reverence for God that he understood his God was so big. He understood that God held the universe in his hands. He understood that God had a plan. And he understood, understood he, his part in that was maybe even so small. Even though David did great things. You know I want to live a life like that. I want to live a life that says, God, when you say go, I will go. When you say no, I will stay. That listens to God's voice and says, I will do what you say. I want it in my life that my life would glorify God, that everything I do would glorify him. It's sometimes easier said than done. But may we be a church community where we are seeking to have them humble hearts, where we surrender our own desires before God, our own agendas, and we say, God, your will be done. Your will be done. I had that moment when I said, when I was surrounded with the hills around me, that moment where maybe at times I was trying to work stuff out for myself, but I was overwhelmed with the uh, awesomeness of God and it's instantly in that moment was humbled was humbled when we look at our god and we see our god it causes us to have humble hearts because he is way bigger than us we need to keep our eyes on him in 1 peter 5 verse 6 to seven, it says humble yourselves under god's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you You know, there's times in my life where it can be so frustrating. I'm not going to lie about it. It can be so frustrating. You're stuck in this moment. You're like, God, I want to do this. Oh God. And in them moments, actually God is just asking us to be humble, to trust in him and his mighty hand and to cast all of that anxiety onto him, to give it all to him because it's all about him and his timing. It's all about him. I have been praying and me and my family have been praying for quite a while now for a situation with one of my children, something that we're believing for. And sometimes it can feel like the answer is no, that the answer keeps being no. But do you know what? I know in them moments, I keep trusting God, you see bigger than I do. You know more than I do. You know what is best. And in them moments, it's them times where I go, I don't know. I just come before you, God, with a humble heart and say, God, you do what only you can do. God, you have your way because I know he sees more than I do. He sees more than I do and he knows what is best. So let's have humble hearts. The other thing is that David had an obedient heart. David when it came to this part, we hear that David listened to God. And we read in 1 Chronicles 22, 5, verse 10, how it was Solomon, David's son, who was called to build the temple. It wasn't David, it was Solomon. And we read, it says, David said, My son Solomon is young and inexperienced and the house to be built for the Lord should be great magnificence and fame and splendour in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I will make preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord, the God of Israel. David said to Solomon, my son, I had it in my heart to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. But this word of the Lord came to me. You have shed much blood and have fought many wars. You are not to build the house for my name. because. Uh, but you... But you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest and I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon and I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son and I will be his father and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. I believe that David's humble heart enabled him to have a heart that obeyed. And in that, he understood that his part in God's plan wasn't to build a house for God. It wasn't to build the temple. It was to possess land for God's people. David had a part to play in, the plan, in God's plan, but it was, his part of the plan wasn't to build the temple. And what David did, and I love this about David, is that with his whole heart, he made the preparations for the next generation. He made the preparations for Solomon and the next generation for them to go and do what God was calling them to. When we act in obedience and submit our will to God's, we give the next generation a leg up. We give the next generation the leg up. There might have been a part of David that goes, I'm doing all this work. I should get the glory for it. I should be the one to see it happen. But he didn't have that heart. He had an obedient heart that says, God, I will do what you are asking me to do. And in that, he enabled, he he served, he made all the plans for the temple in order that Solomon could go and do what he needed to do. What God was asking him to do. And you know, a few weeks ago, I shared with us how God had given me a picture that when we come before God and we surrender, we give the next generation a leg up. And some of you will remember that I had some of our children here at church that were stepped up on my knee and they were, went higher than I was, which isn't hard, as I've already said. You know, I I really clearly feel it in the minute that God is saying that as we surrender before him, as we have humble hearts, as we are obedient to him, that we actually give the next generation the leg up for them to go and run the part of the race that they are called to run. We have part of our race to run, but the next generation have another part of theirs to run. And so so easy it can be that we want to put ourselves in the centre of the universe. We want the glory. We want to do it. But actually, that's not what we're called to. We're called to be obedient and do what God is asking us to do. I'm going to keep going back to that point when I was at the Lake District with the hills around me. And as I said, there was time there where I maybe was trying to work stuff out and I was being all frustrated in, my, in the moment and God stilled me in that and said, look how big I am. Yeah. In that moment, and this happens so much in my life that when I'm trying to like work stuff out and I'm like, how, how do I do this or whatever? I often, God brings me to that point where his word to me is Just keep serving. Yeah. Just keep serving. And that's where I feel God calls me to that act of obedience. Just keep serving. Just keep serving. Trust me with the rest. Just keep on serving. And I love that about David, that he served the next generation well. It would have taken work for him to get their preparations in place so that they could, the next generation could make that temple magnific- magnificent. Sometimes our obedience looks like we just keep serving. We just keep on serving well with them humble hearts that says, yes, I'm here to serve. The truth of it is we may not always understand, but we know we have a God who sees more than we do. You know, David's family line held the messianic promise. It was Jesus that came from David's line and how incredible that God saw that plan. God knew all of that. And so David's obedient heart was an incredible part of that plan. We need to know that God sees more than we do. The next thing I love about D- David and the band can come back up the next thing i love about david is that david had a heart that trusted and i love reading the psalms and reading david's words in the psalms and you know you look at david's life and it wasn't always very easy but the one thing is is that he consistently trusted god when you read the psalms you can see that he consistently trusted god For example, in Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is your refuge. I'll say that again. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. I constantly am reminded that I need to trust God that at all times, no matter when it's confusing, I need to trust God. Even when it's great, life is great and it can be easy to go, I don't need you, God, anymore. I need to keep trusting God. All times, from the good and the bad, need to consistently keep trusting God. Because I'll say it again, because God sees more than we do. Yeah. God sees more than we do. When we try to figure things out on ourselves, even at them times when something looks really good and we're like, yes, this looks really good, but God's saying, no, that's not for you. Even in that times, we've got to trust We've got to have them humble hearts that say, God, you're bigger than I am. You know more than I do. You see it all. We've got to have them obedient hearts that say, God, I'm going to trust you and I am going to say yes to whatever you tell me to do. Even if that means not do it, like saying no. If he says no, that's saying, okay, I'll stay here. I'll just keep on serving. I'll do whatever you're asking of me. And then in all them times, at all times, to keep trusting, to consistently trusting God, knowing that he sees way more than we do. As I said, it might sound very simple, but it's not always very easy. And I can say that in my life, that it's not always very easy. How often do we want to pick everything up? Do we want to control things? Do we want to make ourselves the centre of the universe? But I've learned in my life it never goes well like that. The best place to be is when we acknowledge that God is the centre of the universe and we trust in him and his plan and knowing that he's such a loving God and a good God that he would choose to use us, that he would choose to use each one of us. And so this morning, I kind of want to challenge us as a church to be a church where we have humble hearts, to be a people that have humble hearts, to be people that always choose to obey our God and to be people that will trust God at all times. No matter the season, we will keep on trusting. And as we come to worship now, um, I just felt as well that sometimes some of us can feel that we're in that place of a fight do you know where everything can feel like a fight, and it can feel like it's confusing, and we're around and we're trying to figure things out? Maybe God's put great things on your heart. Maybe you've got great desires that God's put in your heart, or your desires in your heart, and we can kind of want to try and make them happen, and we can be stuck in this fight where we th- feel like we're fighting for them, or situations around us we feel like we need to, like we can't cope with it, but we're trying to still fight and trying to control it and make it work maybe trying to do it all on our own strength but I felt that there's a word this morning that the victory comes in our surrender the victory comes in our surrender the victory comes in our surrender and there's a verse in my life that is so special and so dear to me it's a life verse for me and it's Exodus 14 verse 14 and it says the Lord will fight for you you need only to be still the Lord will fight for you you need only to be still the Lord will fight for you you need only to be still the victory comes in our surrender the victory comes in our surrender so this morning as we come now to worship our our incredible, awesome God, the God who sees all, the God that is loving, the God that sent his son to die for us, the God that conquered death. As we come to worship him, let's find ourselves in that place of surrender, that place of stillness, knowing that our God will fight for us, that our God will fight for us, so much at the minute, I'm finding myself at that place where all I feel I can do is like fall to my knees, that all I can do is fall to my knees. But I know in that place, God meets me. I know in that place, God meets me because it is there where the victory is in that place of surrender, in that place of surrender. Cause it's never about us, it's always about him. So I'm gonna pray for us. And as we come to worship, Maybe it's this morning again, once again, that you need to surrender before God, that we would be people that have humble hearts, that we would be people who obey God and that we would be people who keep on trusting at all times. Yeah, Yeah, dear God, I just thank you, God, that you are such an awesome God. I thank you, God, that you are so incredible, Lord God. And I pray that I would never lose sight of that. I pray as a church, we would never lose sight of your awesomeness. It is all about you, God. It is all about you. And I pray, Lord God, that as a church, we would humble ourselves before you, that we would kneel before you that we would surrender before you knowing that in that place you meet us in that place you meet us that there is victory in our surrender that in our surrender we give the next generation a leg up God I pray that you would give us courage to do the things that maybe don't look attractive in the eyes of the world that thing of being humble, that thing of keep obeying and keep trusting God, that it may not always look pretty, but God, I pray you would give us as a people a courage, a courage to say, God, we will trust you. God, we will obey you in what you are calling us to do. And we thank you, God, that all we need to do in this moment is be still before you because we know you fight for us. You fight for the things in our life that we're believing for, them situations. You fight for us, Lord God. So we come before you this morning in stillness, in surrender and say, God, do what only you can do. Amen.